It's no secret UNC had a rough basketball season last year. But is their retooled roster enough to land them in the top three of John Rothstein's ACC offseason power rankings? Let's find out. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shaden. I want to thank you for joining us on today's show to get your team, the Tar Heels, every single day. Really appreciate you joining us, even right here in the middle of July. Coming up on today's show, we do want to talk about several various things from John Rothstein's ACC offseason breakdown. We'll get you to that, as well as have a question about COVID eligibility from a listener. So we'll wrap that at the back end of today's show. But first, I want to dive into all the Rothstein stuff. So uh, if you're not familiar with John Rothstein, he's just a prominent college basketball voice and on his website college hoops today he is doing off-season conference kind of previews slash breakdowns where he's doing like a power rankings all sorts of lists preseason player of the year preseason first team all acc stuff like that anyway he's taking one conference a week and this week He's doing the ACC, and so I thought it would be appropriate for us on today's episode to look at what he's saying about the ACC, and obviously, in particular, the Tar Heels. And so I want to dive into several of those. We're going to start with his power rankings, though. If you haven't already looked, don't. I'd love for you to guess where you think the Tar Heels land in this thing. Um, My guess going into it was four or five. I imagine that he would have Duke up top and Miami second, but then there was a couple teams, the Tar Heels being one of them, that I thought could land anywhere in that three to five or maybe even six range. So let me give it to you starting back at 15 and working the way up. (laughs) 15th on this list, there's really this bottom three that's been all rolling around together. The bottom three, uh, Notre Dame is 15th. It makes sense. They had a tough year, lost Mike Bray, now bring in Micah Shrewsbury and have a lot of work to do. Notre Dame, 14 Boston College, 13 Georgia Tech. And so that is that bottom three. 12th is Wake Forest. Steve Forbes has surprised by getting in these high-level guard um, transfers the past several years. And so I'm curious to see what Hunter Salas from Gonzaga does for them this year. Then you got Louisville 11, Syracuse 10, Pitt 9, Florida State 8. Hopefully they can have a rebound year. Yikes. Same with Louisville. Even yikes are. 7, NC State. 6, Virginia Tech. And now we're kind of getting into that range of where Carolina could be any of these five Clemson, four Virginia, three North Carolina, two Miami, and number one Duke. And so as I look at this list, it's, I think, quite frankly, a a more than fair treatment of the Tar Heels. It's been four years, right? The last four, it's not just these first two years of Hubert Davis. Those last two years of Coach Williams were not great. The 1920 season, remember Coach 
the Tar Heels would not have made the NCAA tournament if it was held. In the 21 season, Carolina lost in the first round for the first time ever in Coach Williams' career. And then in Coach Davis's first year, the season wasn't that great. Obviously, the, the back third of the season went well. I should say the regular season in, in the majority of it didn't go well. And then last year, Carolina struggled again and didn't make the well, the NCAA tournament anyway, they they could have made the postseason if they wanted to, right? And with the NIT. So all of that to say, I think Carolina being picked third on this power rankings list is, is more than fair. You know, I, I kind of would rather take a wait and see approach. I'd rather tee, uh, that poll rankers and, and others put the Tar Heels down a little bit and, and continue to force them to earn it before they are given it. But I get why they land where they do, both in terms of not being higher and not being lower. Duke is bringing back men who many people will predict to be the ACC preseason player of the year in Kyle Filipowski. They bring back their starting backcourt of Tyrese Proctor and Jeremy Roach, um, along with bringing in a whole host of um, really good freshmen out of high school and, and others are back. So I get and understand that. Um, and I haven't even met, you know, some of their sophomores that are coming back along with Proctor and Filipowski. So things should be really good there. And then Miami, I know they lose Isaiah Wong. I know they lose Jordan Miller, but they're bringing in. Uh, you know, bringing back several guys from that elite back-to-back elite eight team. They bring in Matthew Cleveland from Florida State. And so um, I think Coach Larinag is going to have it going again. And so I, I really can't quibble with Carolina being below either of those teams. I'd like to see them jump above them. And I, th- I think they can. But um, the teams that Carolina is above, you know, Virginia hadn't been Virginia really lately. I, I know they should be strong and solid, but I think Carolina has the makings of a team that I believe will be better than Virginia. And with somebody like Elliot Cadeau that can help Carolina offset what Virginia is able to do to mitigate a team's strengths. Um, and then below that Clemson, Virginia tech, NC state, they they've got some nice pieces. Once again, NC state's bringing in, more backcourt reinforcements to make up for what they've lost. Um, Clemson should be strong again. PJ Hall's coming back. Um, some other, you know, Joe Girard's transferred in from Clemson. You got some of that stuff. So um, I think this is a nice spot for Carolina, but they got to go out and prove that they uh, belong there and maybe even that they could jump higher, which I, again, I really think they could, but all that to say, I think that that Rothstein has the Tar Heels in a good spot in these power rankings. Now, he goes through each team, does a capsule. One of the things he does on that is projects their starting lineup. And the starting lineup that Rothstein projects for the Tar Heels is exactly the one I've been saying that I believe the Tar Heels will roll out as their starting five. At least I've been saying it since Elliot Cadeau reclassified. And that's uh, kind of a hint. Uh, if, if you're newer to the show, if you're not an everydayer, you, a, you should be. Come join us all the time. But secondly, here's what I've been saying. I believe Carolina's starting five will be. And by the way, John Rothstein is saying the same. Elliot Cadeau, as I just said, joined by RJ Davis in the backcourt. Cormac Ryan as the starting three. 
at small forward with Harrison Ingram as a small ball power forward, kind of point forward player. And then obviously Mondo Armando Baycott starting at the center position. That's, that's where I'm at on the starting lineup. And that's what John Rothstein says as well. Well, I do want to talk about a few other of the lists that he put out on this breakdown, give you my reactions and feedback to them. By the way, I'd love to hear yours, including ACC preseason first team, player of the year, breakout players, etc. We'll get to all that in just a second. But before we do, today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Bird Dog shorts are going to make you look good this summer, whatever it is that you're doing. Their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of like that stiff, restricting cotton. The way Bird Dogs fixed that is they invented this cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it, unlike khaki, it stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. One of my favorite things, especially in the summer when it's ridiculously hot, is that Bird Dogs utilizes this anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter promo code locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. Again, that's birddogs.com slash locked on college or promo code locked on college for that free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. Hey, thanks again, seriously, for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen to get your team every day. It means so much to us. And when we hear unfortunate things like the New York Times cutting their sports desk, I, I mean, I hate to hear that. But it just reminds me of why we're doing what we're doing. We want to bring you your best content about the Tar Heels all the time as much as we can. So thank you so much for being with us. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Coach Pat Kilby and I will have the second installment of our uh, summer pr roster preview series. We did Elliot Cadeau last week. Go back, check that out if you didn't already. And tomorrow we'll do the next freshman Zayden High as we work our way up the seniority ladder. By the way, if you want to submit a listener question, there's a new fun way to do so. Always you can just send text, but I'd love to include you, the listeners and watchers in the show. If you want to do that, you can submit a video to us, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Comp. Just 10 to 15 seconds, your name, where you're from, and your question. And we'll plug it into the show and you'll be part of it. You can do landscape, portrait, whatever you want to do. I'll get it in. All right, let's get back into it. Today, we are talking about John Rothstein's ACC offseason breakdown. We just looked at his power rankings and his predictions for Carolina's starting five. Next, I want to get into his choices for the ACC preseason first team. Just five guys on it. <laughs> um, if you follow the ACC and, and keep tabs on players, it's, it's a group that you would probably expect it to be. Number one, Armando Baycott. Yes, duh. Obviously, two, Kyle Filipowski from Duke. I think those are the two headliners in the conference this year. The other three on this list are Norchad Omir from Miami, who is... A dynamic rebounder, a little bit undersized as a center, but does a phenomenal job 
for Miami. And then you got Blake Henson from Pitt, who is a phenomenal scorer. If, what, uh, did he lead the conference in scoring last year? I cannot remember that right off the top of my head. I guess I could look it up in real time while we're talking. And then the other is Reese Beekman from Virginia, who is constantly at the top of um, uh, the leaderboards of uh, defense, has won the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, has been on the all-ACC list, all that stuff, blah 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 So there you go with that. No, Blake Henson was not the leading scorer. He was 15th in the conference last year. Um, and so anyway, but was way up there and um, had 15.3 points per game last year. And, and of those above him, a lot of them are not in the conference anymore, but others are, you know, Judah Mintz is up there, RJ, PJ Hall from Clemson, etc. And so anyway, that is that preseason um, t- first team, all ACC from John Rothstein, Armando Baycott, Kyle Filipowski, Norchad O'Meara, Blake Henson, and Reese Beekman. Um, None of these surprise me. There are some others that I like. I would have put Clemson's PJ Hall on this list, I believe. I don't know who I would have taken out. Maybe Omir. Uh, he's great, but I think PJ Hall stands to be even better. Um, folks, what like I, I really think RJ could find his way onto this list. Um, I, I just. I wouldn't be surprised to see it any in any way. I wouldn't be surprised to see either of Duke's um, guards, probably more Proctor than Roach on here. Um, a couple others that wouldn't, you know, Judah Mintz from Syracuse taking a big leap this year. Baba Miller from Florida State. DJ Burns from NC State. Those are some guys that uh, could just shoot right on up this list. Uh, there's another... Who's the other Duke player I'm trying to think of? Um, but, 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 but let me look up his who, – who am I looking for here, folks? Um, Mark Mitchell. Wouldn't be surprised to see him if he takes a big leap this year as well. Okay, the next thing is the ACC preseason player of the year from John Rothstein. And I, as I said, I think it's going to be Armando Baycott and Kyle Filipowski as like the two names we hear most um, kind of the headliners of the conference this year. And Rothstein went with Flip for this with Kyle Filipowski. Again, I can't fault him that. I would go with Armando. I know Armando was the ACC preseason player of the year last year. Didn't really live up to it, but a lot of that is because of injury and opportunity. I believe, and I've I've started saying this a little bit more, and I'm I'm going to say it a lot this offseason and as we get into preseason and into the season, that I think Elliot Cadeau is going to be really, really important for Armando Baycott to have his best season of his college career in terms of like offensive production. Um, I don't know that he can outdo what he did on the boards um, his junior year. I mean, that was just ridiculous. But I, I think that what Elliot Cadeau does for Armando Baycott allows Armando to get more shots, to finish more efficiently, and potentially outpace Kyle Filipowski for ACC Player of the Year. It's it's funny because it keeps happening every year. Remember 
two years ago, his junior year, just barely lost out. Armando did on the ACC Player of the Year. And then last year just didn't quite have the numbers for it. And so hopefully this is the year. So again, can't fault him for the Kyle Filipowski choice. I would go with Armando. All right. Rothstein picked a preseason sleeper. Uh, as a team, not a player, and went with Florida State. Kind of no shock there. Um, Florida State wasn't themselves last year. Neither was Louisville, to be fair. Um, and I th- I think, I honestly expect Louisville to be better than Florida State this year. But, man, they just were so bad last year that they have so far to climb out of that hole despite getting a good bit of talent in. All right, a couple of the other lists that Rothstein had uh, were 10 breakout players in the conference. These players cannot have averaged 10 points or more per game last year. There's no Tar Heels on this list. Um, and I guess I, I hear that. Um, I mean, because there's nobody really that I would expect to do more that didn't last year. I mean, if it's, you could maybe go with, well, no, because Cormac Ryan would have had that. Maybe Harrison Ingram on this list, but we'll see him show up other places. So anyway, no Tar Heels on that breakout players list. Ten impact freshmen. Elliot Cadeau obviously is on there. Zayden High's not, and I wouldn't. I didn't expect him to be. So that's all fair there. Uh, but you've got some other players on there. Uh, Trenton Flowers from Louisville. That makes a lot of sense to me. And then uh, ten impact transfers. Same thing with these breakout players. It's not eligible with 10 points per game in the previous season. Two Tar Heels make this list, both Harrison Ingram and Cormac Ryan. And so uh, that makes sense to me there. And that's maybe why they're not on that breakout players list is because uh, they're specifically on this transfers list. And so, um, you know, I, I think Rustin gets this right pretty much here as far as the Tar Heels are concerned. Again, the only really two things I would push back on is I think RJ Davis is deserving of being on that preseason first team all ACC. Um, but I, I, anytime you make a list of just five guys in a 15 team conference, it, I, it's going to be hard pressed to get two players from the same team on it. So I get that. And then the other thing is I would go with Armando Baycott over Kyle Filipowski for the ACC preseason player of the year. But Obviously, uh, Rothstein, along with others, was burned by picking Armando last year in that same spot, and so isn't there this year. All right, to wrap up today's show, I want to get to a listener question about COVID eligibility and what that looks like going forward. We're going to get to that in just a second. Okay, this listener question about COVID eligibility comes from Eli Scott through a Twitter direct message. Eli, thank you so much for your question. He says this, can you tell me how RJ Davis and Jalen Withers have the COVID eligibility year? I figured they wouldn't be eligible since they weren't in college when the tourney was canceled. That's a, it's a great question from Eli. And so I want to explain this because I've, what, what I wrote back to Eli was, yeah, I've actually had this from several people. And so I want to um, answer. We've talked about it before, but but it is a good thing to continue to answer to make sure everyone's up to date on. And so um, the thing here is this: keep, keep in mind, 
players like RJ Davis, Jalen Withers are seniors. It's their fourth year of college right now. You know, I often talked about it with Caleb Love and RJ Davis because they were that class. So anyone that is the rising senior class right now who would have been the class of 2020 were not in college the year that COVID struck and the tournament was canceled and, you know, conference tournaments were canceled at the end of that season. And yet this rising senior class does have that year of COVID eligibility. Why, why is that? The confusion comes in again, because they weren't in school when that happened, when the season was shut down early. Keep in mind, you know, like for example, Carolina's season was already over. They had already lost in the ACC tournament before it was shut down. Here's why this happened. Um, Eli and others who are wondering about this. That season wasn't really affected by COVID outside of a couple conference tournaments and the any any other postseason tournaments, the NCAA tournament, NIT, CBI, whatever it would be. It was truly and mostly that next season, the 2020-21 season, that was the one that was mostly affected by COVID. There were so many games canceled. There were, you know, not playing in front of fans, having to wear masks and all sorts of uh, just hoops that players and teams and Dobos, director of basketball operations, had to jump through to, to make that season happen. And so because that season was not normal, was not what it was supposed to be, it was because of that season that the NCAA decided to grant winter athletes an extra year of COVID eligibility. And so it, it was it was tough for college basketball because their their season was or college basketball was really one of the few sports that had two seasons affected the end of the 1920 season and <clears throat> essentially the entirety of the 2020-21 season. And so RJ Davis, Jalen Withers, Caleb Love, Others in that class of 20 were in school for that year. And it was that year that the NCAA granted an extra year of COVID eligibility for. And so Eli and others who might be wondering this question, that's why that class has that extra year. And that's why RJ could stick around for the 23, 20, or excuse me, for the 24, 25 season. That's why Jalen Withers could do the same. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. The first couple years of players using COVID eligibility, they did not count against the scholarship quota. Each team in men's college basketball is allotted 13 scholarships. Th those first couple years, so 2021, 2021-22, those two seasons, those players did not count against that 13. But starting last year, the NCAA sent out information to head coaches to let them know that those players now would count in that 13 scholarship quota. So making um, roster construction hard, difficult once again. So what I mean by that is this. Last year, Leaky Black, Pete Nance, even though they were using that COVID eligibility and previously would not have counted against that 13 scholarship max, last year they did. And so that's why that factors into it. And so that will be the same now going forward as well. So all of this to say, Eli, 
um, that this upcoming basketball season, 2023-24, and next basketball season, when, for example, RJ could be a, a fifth-year guy, the 2024-25 season should be should be the last two seasons that we really have to keep tabs on who's got COVID eligibility and who doesn't. We might see a couple more this season after that in the 25-26 season with maybe some guys who dealt with injuries and, and were redshirted for other reasons, something like that. But for the large, large majority of college basketball, it'll just be this season and next season. And then that COVID eligibility will be done. I project that that means uh, we're going to have at least some level of transfer portal drop off after that, because so many transfer portal guys are guys who have finished four years at their school. Cormac Ryan, um, Paxson Wojcik, great examples of that. And then transferring somewhere else for that fifth year. It's like, hey, I've had four years of uh, a great experience in my undergrad. Let me go somewhere else to utilize this COVID year. So Paxson Wojcik leaves Brown to come to Carolina for his fifth year where his dad was, right? And you get Cormac Ryan leaving Notre Dame after four years because you know, we just talked about it. They're they're dead last in the conference in Rothstein's offseason power rankings to say, I want to go somewhere where I can compete and maybe make a postseason run. And Carolina is a great place to do that. So um, I, I think we'll obviously start to see those numbers dwindle. Now, there's going to continue to be a ton of transfer portal entries, but at least that subset of it should die off in the next two seasons. So Eli, there you go. There's your answer. That's why RJ and Jalen Withers and others that are rising seniors do have that COVID eligibility because it was their freshman year that was the biggest one impacted uh, by COVID-19. Thanks so much for your question, Eli. Uh, if you're out there, folks, and you're wondering about something, send it in so I can help hopefully explain it to you as well. Friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked Ontario's. Thank you so much for tuning in. Always a great time to be part of this community. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Locked on Heels or me at Isaac Shade. If you want to have more in-depth conversation, email the show LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe to us, smash the like button to let us know you're here, and give your comments on today's show. Man, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. I'll be right back with you tomorrow with our guy, Coach Pack Kilby. But until then... Peace.